We are in Kennington Park and it is Tuesday evening. The sun is just about to set. We're in the lovely little quiet garden here. The parakeets are squawking away. And I'm here with Rita Abreu. Have I said that correctly? Abreu. Yeah. Abreu. It's the yeah. Portuguese bit. Yes. <laughs> Those observing us would be wondering, are we socially distancing? But I think we're doing quite okay here, yeah. aren't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Almost two metres with the recorder in between us. This is the Travelling Through Podcast. I'm your host, Emma, and today's guest is Rita Abreu. She's a photographer, a writer, and a multilingual tour guide. She's from Portugal, and this is her unique story about London, the world, and life. I think, Rita, the first time that we met was through a mutual friend, Adam mm -hmm. Wells. Adam Wells, yeah. At one of the Camino talks. Do you think would that be right? I think so. There was a dinner, there were some drinks afterwards, and then uh, I was very drawn to the name of your bookshop. I was like, wow, brave woman doing uh, books, for one, and uh, travel books. And I'm like, hmm, that's my favorite type of literature, so mm, must go. <laughs> Who are you? I want to meet you. Yeah, this kind of thing. And that's how it started. And I think you also came to a Portuguese evening, and I remember you suggesting having a focus on Portugal about literature and mm. culture, and you suggested the, the Vino Verde ah, yeah. wine, with, which is just slightly sparkling, isn't it? Yeah, Alvarinho, which is similar Alvarinho, to the Spanish. So. That's what it was. Is, is it Alvarinho is wine or Vino Verde is called? The Vino Verde is a type of wine, like red, white. Mm -hmm. And uh, and it's the type. It's a specific type of wine because it, it is it has this naturally sparkling bit to it. It's a it's not a it's really really mild uh, fizz, mm -hmm. and it's really good when it's very cold mm -hmm. and in the summer with fish with seafood and all this. Yeah, yeah so it's yeah. very refreshing. And it was lovely. It was the first time I'd actually come across that wine, and I I think I kept one bottle back just so that I could enjoy it myself yeah, <laughs> with yeah. a few friends. And your involvement with Travelling Through really started with your photography and your cards, yes. your greeting cards as well that you sold. We sold a lot of those as well. Yeah, we sold them beyond the exhibition, wasn't it? We did, yeah. The exhibition was, what, 2015? Uh, yes. I think so, yeah, July. Yeah. It was around now, yeah, that's yes. the, the Facebook you, reminder. A lot of your, your, a couple of your friends came on the Sunday and we all hung your, your artwork and they all took their shoes off at the door because they thought... The, the shop was so clean. <laughs> no, it's a habit. I to remember that. <laughs> yeah. The nice thing about the about that I remember was that I got for the um, private viewing. A yeah. few friends came and I got all the nibbles for free from uh, Madeira in Vauxhall. That's right. Yeah. But after a three-hour conversation with the owner, and mm. he still greets me like a daughter when I go in. It does even. He basically had to know all my life story basically until and, and they said, yeah, I'm going to give you these mini custard tarts that I'm sure everyone will love, but then you'll get some croquettes and some cod cakes and uh, just come by tomorrow, everything will be hot and ready and just come by and, and pick up everything. And, and I'm like, Oh, wow. wow, what just happened here? So, yeah, that was, was amazing. It was really nice. Yeah. And, the, and it was delicious too. In fact, yes. I have been back a few times. In fact, we did start serving some of the, the little custard tarts after the Versteldonata. Versteldonata, yeah. Beautiful. Well, actually, at the exhibition, I remember so vividly is your photograph of your grandmother's hands. Mm. Look, was she crocheting? Yes. Or, yes. Yeah. And it's just such a lovely photograph it, yeah. it evoked experience life and so many stories just in, yeah. in her hands it was it was beautiful yeah that, that photograph is kind of like I look at it and it just it's inspires maybe one day I get to give myself time to do it but a memoir a series of tales or tales of the land that she would tell me and the, the description of the, of the image I, I, I in the description of the image I did that and it inspired another exhibition I did earlier this year well, it inspired two more exhibitions, actually, mm -hmm. but a project that I started for an exhibition I did in 2017, mm -hmm. uh, just on hands yeah. and on craft, and a project that it's still ongoing, yeah. uh, Hands, Memory and Culture, right. which is on my Instagram. And this February, I was in uh, one of the 
big joint exhibitions in uh, in Kensington Town Hall also oh, with with this collection. Okay. I was interviewed by someone for the Portuguese TV, but with the lockdown, it didn't go through yet. Right. So it's still there, waiting to be broadcasted. But uh, it was it was a really nice experience to to take this. So the exhibition we did in your in your bookshop kind of was was the beginning of, or was the also the experience for the the others that came so far. Yes, yes. Yes, so like a springboard. Yes, that's a springboard. Word. Yeah, a platform. The platform. Yeah. <laughs> All of the above. Um, and you moved to Hitchin, and that was very much to to be involved in more of an art scene there, because I'm involved uh, in the Saturday market art. It was yes, in uh, in 2016, I moved to Hertfordshire to Hitchin. One, to I needed to leave London after seven years. I had a lot of different experiences. I I was just I needed a a different space to be and to maybe find myself again mm -hmm. with with less less uh, impressions every day. Yes, and less noise also. It all came about really organically because uh, I, I saw there was an art group. I contacted someone and oh, is there space in the next market? Because I had I had the cards and the, and the prints from the exhibition we did still. Mm -hmm. I kind of saw, okay, this sells well. I had an, already a, a draft I could play with and understand what, what people like more or not. So, yeah, yeah. And then he said, oh, no, no, I, I don't, uh, it's all closed up, but we're, we're organizing an exhibition in a hairdresser, which is super funky, and, and we're looking for one person. How, what do you do and how do you present your work? And we said, oh, vintage suitcases, and uh, it's about travel. I said, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> so four of us yeah. did that, and uh, two months after I moved there, I w we were in the newspaper. Oh my god! There was a photo in the newspaper, and uh, four of us there, and one of these nice independent businesses. There's a lot of those there, so uh, it was an entryway. I, I don't think I had unpacked all my boxes yet, and I was already <laughs> <laughs> I was already doing an exhibition and in the newspaper. So, ta-da! Here Fantastic. I am. Yeah. So and, all, and for the podcast listeners. A lot of your work is shown on, on your Instagram feed or uh, you've got a yes, website? Yes, I, I don't have a website uh, structured yet. I call it perfectionism slash procrastination <laughs> slash busy traveler life. Uh, we'll go into that later, yes. I'm sure. But um, it's Instagram. I have two pages. I have a private one and a, and a professional one. There's a glimpse there on events and portraits I do more on events, I think, and on the Hans Project. So Perfect. those are the focal points I have. I don't okay. want to disperse so much. But uh, travel photography is there. Also, I think more on a private side because it's something I enjoy doing. But um, I have the markets I've done in Hitchin a lot um, until I moved here. But I moved back in October, last October. So I still did the Christmas market actually there. Right because I had paid for it, so I just did it and I was already in London. Yeah. Uh, so that was uh, pre-lockdown, everything. Yeah. So yeah, it was a, a chapter that was very rewarding artistically, actually. Mm -hmm. yeah, it was. Okay. Well, we'll make sure the links are in the, in the show notes that's when, we, when we put the, the podcast out. So, yes, so yes, people can have a look. Um, but bringing you back to London and your roots, initially you were brought up in, well, you were born in Portugal. Mm -hmm but I don't know which part of Portugal. So this, this is nice for me to actually find out a little bit about you. So where were you born originally? Uh, I was born in Coimbra, which is in the center. It's a university city. It's a UNESCO city mm -hmm. uh, with a university um, younger than Oxford, but uh, it's basically our Oxford, let's say, mm -hmm. uh, Oxford, <laughs> Oxbridge. Uh, basically, it's the oldest university in the country. But uh, I was just born there and my mom took me home on a train. She, she said, you started traveling straight from birth <laughs> christmas day so you i grew, grew up, up i grew up in the northeast mm -hmm. uh, towards the mountains so between two wine regions an area with a lot of hills with uh, with this slate soil clay soil and then into a transition into granite so there's a lot of different different landscape there and it's uh, it's very hilly there's a lot of trees and so on all this and maybe let's say an hour and a half to to the highest mountains which are to the east directly slightly northeast towards spain and then an hour and a half to the ocean okay so, so you were brought up very much in the countryside countryside village farm animals uh, fruit okay. trees so, um, that, so so far removed from the metropolis and city life so what actually brought you to to london as a result of that oh well the there's a few steps on the way <laughs> 
I went to study quite far from home in a, in a city close to Fatima, so it's southwest of there, closer to Lisbon. It's a, it's a region of castles, it's a really pretty area and uh, not far from the ocean. I was there studying and then I went to live in Lisbon afterwards, mm -hmm. so about four years in each place. Then I had the big city experience, experience yes. Yeah. London always, fascin always fascinated me since university because, or since high school even, because of the of the things we learned in uh, in class in English class because it was always my best my best mark in in school in high okay. school. So I went into tourism with the languages all this so and learned more um, in the process. And then in Lisbon, I started working with international people a lot uh, okay. in Hard Rock Cafe and. For quite a while, I was I was a trainer at some point, and then I ran a hostel with a with an Estonian girl that became it is a good friend today, okay. a lifelong friend really. And I was me and one lady that would come to cook once a week. We were the only Portuguese in this huge um, universe of foreigners and uh, foreign staff and everything. And it's very multicultural. It was and, really interesting to yeah. see, yes, to see, to be in this bubble and to feel their impressions about a place that I knew well, that it was mm -hmm. my country, but a, yeah. also a city that I came into as a, from the countryside, because it's like for anyone that is not from London, that has had to come into London from a small place somewhere in England, it's this transition you feel a bit like you feel a bit like from another world um, mm, in a way so that <laughs> that but from impressions from people from other countries from other languages so I developed my languages a lot also very naturally I would because I worked until midnight most days I did the afternoon shift and very naturally I would take 10 20 people out into the drinking area which was just up the hill mm -hmm. uh, where we were Lisbon is very hilly and yeah. uh, and a lot of viewpoints and a lot of nice areas um, still one of my favorite cities uh, from all the places I've been I would easily take 20 people into the bars you know like pub crawling and then lose half of them halfway <laughs> through and then I would then go home uh, one drink later or two maybe completely fresh I would then walk home mm. and uh, super safe yeah. and uh, it was really really nice time actually yeah, yeah and then i decided it's my turn i saved some money it's my turn i'm going abroad and i moved to ireland because a friend of a friend uh, was there and the, the economy was good and i was like okay there was some fascination with the irish and um, irish music and, uh, and the beer and all mm -hmm. these things and maybe somehow i didn't want to just jump into london straight away but london was somewhere in the radar uh, not consciously all the time but it was like this place I, was on, I wanted to go anyway so and in Ireland two years I was there two years working in hotels and and started the touring career this was 13 years ago 2007 yeah almost 13 years ago then together with my partner at the time we uh, after the recession we decided to pack a three-bedroom house into the back of the car. <laughs> Not everything, of course. Well, uh, a lot, a lot, a lot was uh, where there was space for two plants. Yes. I made sure. Um, and um, we literally, less than a palm distance from the floor, the car was so, so heavy. And we drove, uh, we drove off. We were like, oh, we can go anywhere now. And we got the ferry and we came into London and settled with friends. I met them a few months earlier. They're his friends in South London. Mm -hmm. And that's where I lived most. I think I've, yeah, I haven't really moved much from South, South London. London. This is what I, I'm finding that a lot of people who, who move either start living in the South or Very start territorial. <laughs> never move, never yes. go across the river. I seem to be the exception to this, <laughs> this rule so far. So uh, I'm sure there yeah, must I've be other people. I've stayed, uh, I've stayed, I had a time when I was more nomad. I stayed uh, in uh, North London a couple of times. I'm more drawn, drawn to the to south. The south. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think it is very much that north-south divide and how people view it and where they feel more comfortable. Definitely. And it's also the, the friends you have and uh, the work. Well, here everything is about distance, isn't it? Definitely. And time. Yeah. I've always... I work off Victoria a lot. I need to have access to airports. So, well, international big airports. So they're yeah. all center or they south. So. Yes, yeah, so yes. far. That makes sense. So far, yes. So far, yes. <laughs> um, and so... When you first came to London, obviously you came initially with your with your partner. So your the challenges you faced coming to London to a big city, 
knowing, I imagine, not, not many people when you came to mm, London? No. How did you, uh, what, what were the kind of challenges that you, that you personally found difficult or found hard to kind of get used to in London? I think the, the distance between home and work, like having to plan everything an hour in advance or to leave an hour in advance and everything, and also realizing that uh, maybe the Brits are not as punctual as, as, the, as the stereotype, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> I learned the Swiss are like even more punctual, so uh, maybe it's the watches, I don't know. But, um, I, I, think Misha, I don't think we've ever been punctual <laughs> meeting up. So does that also go for the Portuguese? <laughs> oh, the Portuguese are known to be late. The politicians start with this. They arrive an hour late always. So okay. no, the, I'm, I've it's been, to be late. yes, yes. I've, I've been um, very, very motivated with myself to, to be less Portuguese in that. And actually, if I'm late, I call or actually be on time or be early even and read a book or just find something to do or get a coffee or... So all this, um, but nice. I think I think the the biggest challenge was the the cost of living, this kind of big place with a lot of people. So you kind of need to find what what is here for me in this way, and finding what's what's in here for me and finding my finding my place in the middle of this huge crowd and and this also the the pool like you say the pool of London. It's yeah. it's there's a there's a big energy here and. Uh, I think if we have our heads straight and we really know what we want, we can make it happen. Mm. And this is mm -hmm. very much, um, uh, if you're thinking of moving to London, uh, I have more to say about that, but <laughs> 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 uh, it, is, it is possible because the energy is so, it, well, lockdown has changed this, it's a specific time now, but uh, I always felt like if I want to pursue a career, creative career especially, London is, there is space, there is a market, yeah. there is... It's about networking. It's about um, yeah, putting yourself out there because there is enough, and I'm quoting, there is enough space for everybody. Yes, yeah. And, and open it, openness as well, yeah. Yeah, yes. And it's interesting that after seven seven years here, did you say that you you almost had to escape London for a while just to breathe a bit, stretch mm. a bit, stretch yeah. the mind, and 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 then what pulled you back again? So after. How many years? You were two years. Three years. Two three years. Away. I was here. I was here most of the work. time. I was here most of the time. Actually, it's been. It was basically a practical decision, and realizing that most of my friends are here, mm -hmm. and I was here in the summer, from June to September, or May to September. I was here most of the week anyway. Right. So, so I was paying rent in a place that I couldn't like have anybody stay in or um, use it it was nice big garden really nice place but because of work because of travel work tourism work I couldn't really be there I didn't it, it's not a remote thing so I need to be here yeah so I would do 14 hour days yeah and I would stay in London and so I would yeah. go home in the weekend <laughs> yeah yeah because like it was a very being a, a multilingual tour guide it's, yes it's a very full-on job and very seasonal as well yes well, yeah. particularly the summer except for this summer clearly is a huge exception yeah, to the, the um, work disappeared overnight in March yeah, yes yeah let's go let's do a couple of quickfire questions break it up for a second yeah what's your favorite form of London transport bus tube or something else walking the boat cycling mm. I like uh, I like the boats mm -hmm. a lot because you can see London in a very different way. Not the ones that have commentary necessarily. It's just mm -hmm. uh, like the, the 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 clipper is like a bus on the river. It's fantastic. It is, Even yeah. if it's raining, it's it's beautiful. But especially when it's not and when it's high tide, you can just see the city just appearing. It's so so nice, especially from Greenwich. Yeah. Uh, from Greenwich to do to to the London Eye or to Westminster, it's just so. So relaxing, and uh, I've always uh, I've I'd, I've done that on tours before. It was part of one of the routes I did, and that was always a cherry on top of the cake for the week if I had to do that tour oh, and, that, and that little 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 spot. Uh, with the lockdown, I love London by bike. It is a yeah. very very cyclable city. It is. And yeah. uh, Mayor of London, listen to this, uh, please. And <laughs> <laughs> um, it is it is really really good and. Um, I'm really happy that more people are, are 
taking the bicycle because with the lack of pollution we could see the changes in nature and mm. the city is just so wonderful to to explore it we is. notice so much more actually yeah. yeah yeah no definitely you know it's good more people are out on their on their bicycles and there are more lanes being produced as well like they're making more yeah but actually coming to, to meet you in Kennington Park, that was actually quite a busy route. It's still a bit mm. scary coming down the A3, A3, even though there's the blue the blue route, which is actually it's quite scary because some of the cyclists cycle highway really fast. Yes. Um, and that's quite frightening in itself when, you're, when you've got, only got tiny wheels on your bicycle. This is borrowed, fortunately, my bicycle got a puncture just as I was about to go out to meet you. Yeah. Anyway, I digress. Um, Favourite place on a sunny summer's day? The Thames, a park? somewhere else i think uh if i can go out of london i go i go but to the seaside or somewhere i have never i haven't been yet which mm -hmm. is um there's more there's many places i've been to a lot of places but there's a lot to explore but in london i think um do you have a favorite park that's nearby to you, you battersea like park is really nice mm -hmm. and uh, i like the paths by the river on weekdays mm, yes, yes. <laughs> on <laughs> it's like <laughs> i like the pass by the river comma on weekdays <laughs> because yes, uh, on weekends it's just too much yeah but yeah, definitely. yes um do you have a favorite london expression or english phrase oh wow a few uh i can't remember of any now but uh, uh <laughs> <laughs> is there anything that that amused you when you first came to london you think what on earth does that mean you can have your cake and eat it. <laughs> I think that is, one. Is there a Portuguese equivalent to that? I don't remember. If you make me think in Portuguese, then I then we'll this interview we'll is it. over <laughs> because I will I will no, no, I'm trying to we'll try my best to think in English here. Um, we'll go with we'll go with that one then. That's that's a good one. Yeah, have your cake and eat it, or I don't know, raining cats and dogs, or whatever takes your fancy, or. Um, uh, each to their own. But there's a, there's still more. I'm learning here all the time. Mm. The more native English pre people I know, <laughs> I meet in the nice bookshops. Yes, uh, yeah, we all have our phrases. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Um, street food or pub grub? East London street food, mm -hmm. sure. Spitalfields. Uh, nice Sunday roasts in uh, somewhere or um, yeah but more i think street food mm -hmm. east london yeah and mm -hmm. where do you go for a sunday roast do you have a, a favorite a go-to pub that you like to go to when you, when you get a moment? no no i i like to explore because mm -hmm. uh, well i've been i've been in canterbury this weekend and i've had one of the best sunday roasts i've ever had in since i've i've lived in england oh, really? so <laughs> there we go uh, <laughs> any london place now needs to impress yeah. so <laughs> <laughs> the benchmark has been set high. Yes, yeah, <laughs> very high. Yes. Okay, so um, you mentioned where you where you were living, uh, where you were brought up in the in the mm -hmm. countryside in Portugal. Do you have any desire to go back there at all to live? Um, not really at this at this stage of my life. Mm -hmm. Not so much uh, because uh, while it's fascinating for others. And tourists and so on it's uh, it's hard to build a life there economically mm -hmm. and i if i would be working remotely and so on i probably could could consider um but i think i'll review this in a few years time yeah um and my parents are like reaching their 70s now and it's a different stage i guess but uh, they're still fine and all this so I have longing, this longing for, it's a very Portuguese thing to have this longing, saudade. Anyone knowing Portuguese, you know what that is. Um, saudade is uh, this longing for certain things that I live there and maybe I look for those wherever I live. Mm -hmm. The good food, the unprocessed natural flavors of things, um, but also the nature. Um, a lot of things that I experienced there when I was a child or, or growing up. Yeah. I, I miss maybe and there's places there I've never been which I would like to go to all yeah. this so it's a point to leave for review in a few years okay how right. where it's life takes you, me yeah. Yeah. for the moment though that's yes, yes. so as a result at the moment what are your fondest memories of of Portugal it's I think the this the the taste of the food 
it's very rich because mm. of the sun. Uh, tomatoes taste really rich. I used to eat them like apples, mm. just bite wow. bite through and yeah. just the, the really really red and exploring with my dog the starry skies at night really really dark naps in the forest under the trees mm -hmm. just listening to the wind on the leaves i still like to do that in the parks actually yeah, it is not uh, not not naps necessarily it's it may be not safe <laughs> but <laughs> um but to just to lie down on the on the grass and just look up yeah. look at the sky all these things and also eating fruit off the trees mm. eating the ripe fruit directly from where it is from the source yeah, yeah peaches yeah. cherries yeah. still my favorite basically being pulled <laughs> yeah. yeah into yeah. that because it was just so the color is just so vivid and yeah. so attractive you're like yeah <laughs> regardless of the belly ache later <laughs> and um where would you suggest if I was going to Portugal, in fact, last year I, I walked part of the Portuguese Camino mm -hmm. from Porto to the border with Spain, to mm -hmm. um, which was beautiful. We started off actually on the coastal route, but in the end we got bored, so we came onto the inland route. So we mm -hmm. actually walked two different parts of the trail, which is fascinating and it, yeah. it allowed you to see different parts of the now you tried Vinhoverde then. That's the region for Vinhoverde. Yeah, yeah, we did. Yeah, we we did. Well, actually, there was a pilgrim's wine, and it was normally a red wine. So, I don't think we we had we had the Vinhoverde. You would have uh, Casal Garcia and Alvarinho and many yeah. many. There's many brands there because yeah. it's very tiny local producers yeah. as well. Uh, people um, have it in their cellar. Right. So <laughs> I don't think we were given the because it was the pilgrim's menu. It's oh, okay. Normally, right. I don't know whether we were given any of the quality <laughs> quality stuff, but. But I'm sure we did have some. But, but if I was going back there again just to visit mm -hmm. and to go a bit more off the beaten track, where would you suggest I visit? I think I would suggest you to do something similar to what you did on, uh, uh, to the story you tell on your book, Get a Car, and mm -hmm. uh, go to the northwest. Right. It's very rough still. You have mm -hmm. uh, tiny little villages. I think uh, basically different things because the country is so diverse. There's four different climates. Don't go in the summer. Right. <laughs> Go in uh, in May, May October, because the weather is is good, and it's not too hot and it's not too crowded. Uh, if you want the sea, the southwest, dunes, uh, pines, deserted beaches, a bit like Cornwall or scenery, a bit like Cornwall but longer beaches even, and the west of France, very very similar, mm. and. The Northwest, I will say it twice because it's worth it. There's uh, wolves there, there's horse riding, there's very rich food, very mountain. It snows there in the winter. Oh, wow. Okay. So the north, all the north uh, of the Douro, um, the Douro Valley also, mm -hmm. especially the Port Wine region, the north of that directly. Uh, basically, the Camino Portuguese is, is on the west side. Yeah. Anything uh, literally east of that. Okay. Literally, if you have a line from Porto to Spain on the border, uh, vertical line, mm -hmm. anything east of that and along the Douro Valley, okay. and uh, and the central the center uh, the central area where I'm from, you have a lot of really nice because of the of the slate transition to the granite, mm -hmm. you have a lot of really beautiful like uh, little river beaches, river uh, entire villages of slate, like a bit like the Lake District, okay. slightly oh, more um, brown. Yeah. orangey tone of yeah. slate more yeah. clay but that that is the central area literally south of Coimbra and then the mountains too okay. yeah, where you have still the shepherds and the shepherd dogs and the lagoons and it's a almost 2,000 meter high uh, peak so it's okay. quite quite high actually yeah sounds yeah. lovely yeah. and what vintage car should I take what vintage <laughs> car <laughs> um, one of the this uh, Volkswagen no, I'm joking. And, uh, the, it needs well, to be pretty, there, so you need to. Is there a Portuguese one? Is there a, is there a vintage? Uh, I don't know. Is there like a to be explored? I shall look into that one. To be explored, the beetle. We call it carocha. Carocha is like a. Um, it's a beetle. Yeah, it's a beetle. It's a beetle. Yeah. I'm going to break this up. You're you're tiring. It's been a long day for you. Yes. Uh, um. Are you a cinema or a theatre goer? Cinema more. Mm -hmm. I love live music and theatre too, but somehow outdoor things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Do you have a favourite cinema that you go to, or is it mainly about the film? Uh, mainly about the film, but I, I like the Ritzy in Brixton. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's yeah, a nice. place with character and the nice little cafes, and it's it's an experience more there, I think, yeah. than yeah, just yeah. like Odeon, Shaftesbury Avenue or something. Just yeah, no, I totally agree. Yeah. Are you a dinner out or a nightlife to dawn girl, <laughs> <laughs> or maybe both? Um, <laughs> dinner out. Do you have a go-to place that, or where you would like to be taken to dinner? Or you, are you happy to explore and see what you find? I'm happy to explore. London has literally everything, so mm. the world on a plate. And yeah. I like uh, places with good wine. Okay. Pubs usually don't have the best wine, mm. to be honest. But uh, I like places that really make an effort to have good wine mm -hmm. and it doesn't break the bank. Yeah. And are there, um, are there some good Portuguese restaurants in, in London that you would recommend? There's some in, here in the south, uh, close to the river, Stockwell area, Vauxhall, Estrela in um, South Lambeth Road. And there's another one <laughs> somewhere <laughs> there in I'll South, south Lambeth Road, is, you find a few. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's basically where you see the, the Portuguese people going. But I had, I had food in Estrela twice. Mm -hmm. Estrela means star, it's the, the, the name of a mountain. The, the highest peak we have, uh, Estrela Mountain. Um, yeah, that one. I think there's a nice cafe in Portobello Road, Lisboa. Mm -hmm. That tends to be maybe more touristy, uh, yeah. probably. But Madeira, Madeira in Vauxhall, of course, I need to promote my yeah. my <laughs> lovely friend. <laughs> no, they do, they do. The, the Vauxhall Arches, uh, Madeira and then Pico is two of them. Of course, they, yes. One is yeah. Madeira, the other one is Azores. The Pico is an island in Azores. Those two also, uh, because Madeira, they have a cafe, they have a restaurant and a shop. So the, yeah. I've eaten in the restaurant too, yes. I have cod cod in any of these places just have grilled cod as in char charcoal grill yeah, yeah. as and um, or in the oven or yeah with uh, roasted potatoes okay it's really nice really good. and yeah. don't forget a lot of olive oil don't be shy <laughs> just just uh, <laughs> make a lot a lot a lot a lot of olive oil do you, everywhere do you um, do you cook Portuguese food at home at all? Yeah. Uh, sometimes. I, I need to have fish. It's not that I just like it. I, I need to have fish often. Mm -hmm. um, I do buy tinned fish and things like this that is quicker, but it sits in my shelf for months. Mm. And then I go in and buy fresh fish. Actually, uh, South Lambeth Road, there's a, a fresh fish place okay. that, I, that I, in the lockdown, um, being... Uh, in the same place more than a week or two in uh, eight years, <laughs> it allowed me to cook again. Mm. So I made a lot of roasted fish. Did you? Yeah. yeah. Um, That's in interesting. The from, from growing up in the countryside and in the center of, of Portugal, away from the coast. It's an hour, a, an hour and a half. An hour yeah, and a half. Yeah. That you're, but even so, I think you're, you're still a big fish. Uh, because the the country is, is uh, has an, uh, they call it an, uh, the Atlantic diet, uh, it's fish and vegetables, mm -hmm. not so much Mediterranean diet. But we have because we have the mountains too. Uh, my area is mixed weather-wise as well because right. it depending where the winds blow. But the weather influences a lot, of course, what we eat because of we would produce a lot of the things ourselves. Mm -hmm. So once a week we had the fisherman, the, the fish seller coming directly yeah. from the fish market. Right. We had fresh fish that morning, okay. every Tuesday. Okay. Then we had our own meat, our own animals. There would be Easter, there would be a lamb, there's, there's um, local food with lamb, with the mutton. Uh, and then pork, cow, uh, beef, uh, beef, uh, cows is not so common. Mm -hmm. Beef is not so, it's more of a eating out thing. Right. Or, right. I never grew up with beef really. It's more, actually would be more lamb, chicken and fish. Okay. We would have fish several times a week. Okay. So. Interesting. Okay. Where's a favorite place to go walking or cycling in around London? I've cycled to Richmond once and I really want to do it again. That's kind of a must-do, even if I have to take the train back again <laughs> because it's too far. I think along the river yeah. at sunset. It's yeah. very, nice. very nice. And not at a weekend. Not at a weekend, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so you can enjoy it. Lockdown weekdays, 
Yeah, that that was nice. Or a very very early morning also. Mm. Mm-hmm. Very very early morning. I did I did a little bit of a sec- not secret project, but uh, many people have do, have done this. But I've cycled at seven thirty a.m. in it's called the C19 rush hour project. Wow. I, I went into places that are normally super crowded that yeah. were super crowded yeah. up until up until February March, and I've like Wednesday Thursday. I went to Leicester Square, I went to London Bridge, I went into the station, they, mm. I got a pass to go in okay. and photographed areas com- with one person, two people, with a light coming through, St. Pancras, Victoria, mm-hmm. there was echo. I could hear my steps and there was echo inside, it was really, really eerie. Mm. So the, I think early morning is super nice, or it was super nice now and since June. All the cars are back, yes, so yes, early yes. morning is actually yeah. very busy yeah. from 6.30 onwards. So this, so, so actually you, you, you lead me on to a question I was going to ask you about the whole the lockdown and has this been a creative period for you? Have you been inspired by it in terms of your photography? This project, yes, and I will launch it and this is a secret, not a secret anymore because I will tell you. <laughs> I want to edit these photos, they're still on the camera later. I have a distance from them because we're still in the lockdown now and this is what I do with my writing with a lot of creative things I do. I'll just let it sit there and then revisit it later when when there is a different when there's something else going on when there's a lot of distance from it. So I want to go back to these photos and see them from a a different angle and tell stories through that uh, of the places I've been. Okay, interesting. Uh, I didn't go to all the stations. I thought I probably would do that to have a bit of consistency, but there's quite a few. Mm. Uh, it was also places I could go within 15 minutes because I live so central, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, quite close to the river. In 15 minutes, I could be in many of these areas that are normally super crowded. So, yeah. And there was nobody. It wow. was uh, or 10 p.m. Piccadilly Circus, when the theatres would be finishing. Yeah, yeah. There was nobody there. There was empty buses one after the next. It was so... uh, It was interesting and very strange. Also give you chills. uh, It's giving me chills now when I talk about it. (laughs) So that kind of pulled me into the creative side. I also went back into writing. I write for many years, journals um, and all this for over 20 years. I joined the writers group, right? Also, yeah. but uh, I think it was a bit, a little bit like everybody. Really, you have a, a time when you're a bit more lost, and a time when you're not sure. And basically, my eight years of intense traveling just stopped overnight. Basically, yeah. I was yeah. in the U.S. actually in the beginning Where of March, okay. and I had to come back home because I was meant to go to on a training tour uh, in Spain and Portugal after. And then I would go into Hungary and then Holland and then France for the summer until August. My goodness. So it, and I, I knew this in the middle of January already. So a little bit like for everybody, actually, with all the ups and downs and the anxiety and the, what will be life after this. And I yeah. guess uh, yeah. we all drifted into different zones. I enjoyed having time to cook having mm-hmm. to, and having time to think. Yeah, yeah. And... Yes. Not having just to pack a suitcase, just being, yes, I haven't done that. Uh, it may be strange for many people, uh, but actually uh, my routine was going and I realized that I I was enjoying to stay. Yeah. I was enjoying the staying for, for, the, for the first time in many years, actually, yeah. Yeah. in a long time. Yeah, yeah. So. yeah it's, been, it's certainly been a time for reflection for, I think, everybody mm-hmm. in one way yeah. or another, for sure. Okay, yeah. on to the third round. Um, if you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be? Mm, many places. <laughs> um, I was writing about this. Um, I don't have one place, but it's somewhere with mountains and with, with water not too far. Okay. So, I mean, you're not the first person to say that. Yeah, and it could be uh, in the same year, in 2018, I wanted to move to two places that were like this, Switzerland and, and Norway. Okay. Um, they both fascinate me since I was a, since I was a kid. Right. Uh, so for different on your reasons. Radar yes. To, to yes. Yes. Li- maybe live even. I've been in Switzerland time. like six times, I think. Uh, whenever I need to do a major life decision, somehow I end up in Switzerland, and uh, 
and being in the mountains grounds me. I've also covered about a quarter of the country by train, which is part of a dream I have since I was 18. Okay. To explore the whole country by train. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, proper uh, like a guidebook, uh, old school, uh, just to write about what you see and uh, chat with the locals and all this. And uh, uh, Norway, I think the the Viking culture and all this, it's so far from Portugal, but we have this, the Atlantic in common. And mm -hmm. that I find, uh, you feel yeah. actually, yeah. being an Atlantic country, let's say our country by the Atlantic, we have, we share this, uh, also with Brittany and with Cornwall, we share this uh, feeling of longing because of those that go, we don't know if they come back, but also the diet, the fish, yeah, yeah. all this is there. So Very interesting. Um, yeah, maybe a past life. <laughs> so it's, 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 this is where um, many cultures are kind of linked in some ways. Mm -hmm. There's, there's a similarity, differences, but many similarities too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you have wanderlust? Obviously you do. <laughs> I mean, being a multilingual tour guide, it would be extraordinary if you didn't have wanderlust because you, you <laughs> and certainly from what you've been talking about. No, yeah, yeah. But do you but does it wanderlust come from merely travel or does it also come from being the armchair traveller through books, through reading? I think it started with the armchair traveller because I, I was in a tiny little village and we had, um, I grew up with books and video cassettes <laughs> and encyclopedias and things like this. And I think I was an armchair traveler then because I, was, I would read the atlas for fun, reading the captions and finding like a bit of a scavenger hunt. Yes. So I, I love maps and I collect maps since I was 10. So I think it started with books and right. then it was a matter of time until I would leave the country and go explore. And I think my parents knew this okay. for a long time. Yeah, because, yeah. Uh, when I left for Dublin, I was like expecting, I don't know, a big speech, not a big speech, but I'm more like, oh, be careful, do this, don't do that. And uh, no, my mom just hugged me and like, okay. Good luck. See, good luck, <laughs> Susan. And I was like, oh. Were they travelers themselves? No. Travel? no, my parents, That's no, really no, no, not at all. I mean, if your parents had, like my mother had traveled quite a bit, so she was totally, she just said, you know, go. Well, she embedded that in you, yeah. yeah. she had, yeah. she kept to herself. Yeah. But uh, that's interesting. It's very releasing, isn't it? Mm, yeah, but we, we, we're also a country of immigrants. And mm. my dad's brothers and sisters, they, I think, um, about half or more, they immigrated in the 60s. So basically, Portugal is a place where, where we're used to seeing others go somewhere. Right. Uh, since the 60s, with, for, the, for all the rebuilding of Europe after the war, all this, uh, even if we were in dictatorship till mid-70s, this happened. We had our own colonies, there were wars as well. My dad was also away. The fishermen going out at yeah. sea. There's always, there's this detachment. It's not a detachment because there is a, like, there is an attachment, this very family-oriented mm -hmm. culture, but there is this... So a sense of movement. A sense movement. of movement, but also this, this impermanence, this sense of like, oh, this, things can change. Yes, yeah. Uh, in, a, in a flash, so, yeah. so the person may go, but they may not come back. Right. So there's immigration and then people return or they come in the summer in like huge waves or in Christmas. Of course, yeah. A little bit like maybe Poland today or other places that had this freedom to go later, but uh, yeah. similar actually in this way. So there was a kind of acceptance that people may well leave and, and especially a younger generation go. Yeah, yeah, I think, I think... Um, may not come back, but may also come back. It, it's generational also, because it started with, with this generation from... Yeah, they were quite young, the, the ones that left in the 60s, 70s. Then we had a lot of people returning from the African countries, from the former colonies in the 70s, mm -hmm. when the fascist regime ended. Mm. So there was a lot of new influence coming into the country. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of mix because of the African uh, communities mm. as well, that were national citizens. So they were, of course, it is their country. Mm -hmm. You have all these influences. So we have really in East Timor and Macau and in Asia. So we have this all. But also, I guess, being, um, and this comes with, with a professional side, uh, being a touristy country since the, the 1800s, there's a lot of people coming in. So there's a lot of mixed families. There's a lot of openness to what is coming from outside. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, 
always. So it's common to have someone in the family that uh, is from somewhere or different languages being spoken. Mm-hmm. I think so, especially in the in the bigger places yeah. in the cities. Okay, yeah, I, I wasn't aware. This is it quite normal. Yeah. 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 Sometimes two, three languages within the family mm-hmm. because you have someone went they went abroad for some years and got married and they, they both moved moved to Portugal and then right. everyone gathers and then you have multilingual kids and, and so yeah. on and uh, mm-hmm. all this or someone meets more, someone more yeah. language languages that you can have is a is a good thing really mm. we move on to um, kind of related question from all your travels where would you say has had the biggest impact on you different places for different reasons Switzerland for the the fact that uh, I tell friends there that I go there to think. Mm-hmm. It's a bit of an expensive place to go thinking. <laughs> but, uh, um, You've got to really have a, a good reason then. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> now I have my favorite areas and I'm still exploring. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know. It's, it's hard to say because um, I worked in Spain for four years and it was very much this dismystifying of the stereotypes the neighbor country had. Mm. And everyone's like, oh, you, you, so you like Spain? Why? And uh, it's like, yeah, I like, what's your favorite place? And I don't know, I like them all for different reasons too. And mm. I think Barcelona surprised me a lot because when I moved to London, I thought in moving to Barcelona also. It's a very nice city, geographically, but also the culture, the Spain, but it's not Spain, politics aside, but um, it, it has a nice atmosphere mm. that I think it's unique to the rest of Spain. I don't know all of all of Spain. There's some areas mm. I haven't been yet. Yeah. Um, but uh, I quite like that. Is there a, a somewhere in the UK that's had a big impact? Um, the Lake District and Cornwall okay. and right. Scotland. The Scotland for sure. Scotland yeah. is, is, it reminds me of home, mm-hmm. the temperament of the people. Uh, this kind of, uh, we're here, not despite of the weather, but with the weather, no matter what. Yep. Like the, the mountain people in, in, in my area, they're, they're similar. Mm-hmm the granite the stone the they're 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 very strong people and uh, and they're very straightforward also the scottish yeah, very direct yes yeah, and yeah. I, I like that because yeah. it's also you very, know where you very are. portuguese yes yeah yeah no no what you see is what you get and then mm-hmm. i like this because mm-hmm. it's very genuine the lake district for sure cornwall for sure they all remind me of home in a way in their own particular way okay i could i could live easily in any of these places yeah, yeah. well Believe it or not, we're on to our last question. <laughs> um, what would be the one piece of advice you would give someone moving to London? I think it's about being curious and open. Mm-hmm. Like someone told me, oh, you for a non-British person, uh, you express yourself quite well in English. Like it, I thought you would be translating from your mother tongue. I was like, no, why would I do that? <laughs> and uh, it's, it's immersion. It's about being curious and open and immersing yourself and being curious in the way like, okay, oh, how do you do this? Like, uh, you can compare to yourself, but uh, it's more about uh, show me how you do this then. Uh, let's do it together. Or, yeah. and, and also, why do you put beer in the batter for fish and chips? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, or why do you have Sunday roast every Sunday? Or um, uh, things like this. I think what makes... British be British yeah. and and this discovery of uh, and just being curious really like childlike curious almost yeah. of um, seeing things fresh and mm. and I think London changes you a lot if you want that change yeah. it changes you and the energy the pull the, the and like I said before if you have your head straight and and you want to make something happen you can mm. because you meet so many people from so many parts of the world with so many different impressions and things and but you can also really meet people in the specific area you want you can someone knows someone always people want to help it's a very tolerant city um, unlike others around Europe in the middle of foreigners you feel home Mm, in a way I think that's what kind of maybe 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 come back Mm, mm -hmm. because my my oldest friends from 10 years are here yeah and I went away to the countryside but uh, I missed this but I, I miss this uh, energy that London has, I think. Right. Okay. Yeah. I think even if I move to the countryside, I probably need to just have a little injection of London <laughs> from time good. to time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think yeah. that's a really nice answer, actually, because it, it is so true that through curiosity comes understanding. And the more curious you are, the more you, you can understand and appreciate and learn. And, and that's yeah, all part of your own growth as well as 
accept uh, acceptance isn't the right word but it's yeah it's maybe it's acceptance sometimes of things that perhaps you see in a different way and think why would you why would like the the beer and the batter for example it's mm. like why would you do that and th th it's an understanding well because no, there are like realizing that there are many ways to to do things and we know one because we grew up with it and that's okay and uh, and other people because they have different circumstances around or different um, I don't know, uh, different weather, different needs, different um, superstitions, superstitions, <laughs> uh, different culture. Yeah, in the end, and uh, I like this mix of cultures. It's a real mm. big passion for me. The way we communicate that goes into the languages. It's a, uh, it's a big, really fascinating topic. Yeah, yeah. And London is definitely a, a melting pot mm -hmm. of cultures. Yes, yes, yes. So thus the series. <laughs> uh, yes. Well, I think I mean that's all the all the questions. But I just wondered if there's anything else you would like to mention any exhibitions coming up or anything else you'd like to, to mm. say regarding your artwork or your photography, your writing? Uh, at the moment I don't have anything aligned. I have an office job because I need to pay the bills. So mm -hmm. <laughs> yes, the practicalities um, of after life. 10 years I'm in an office again, which is very strange. Well, I think that wraps it up really. And it's been lovely sitting here as the, su the sun's setting. The parakeets have stopped tweeting, the planes are still going overhead. For a while there were no planes across London, it was so quiet, wasn't it? Yeah, I haven't, seen, I haven't seen many planes now, actually, but uh, the sky is very nice. It is, it's beautiful, isn't it? Well, Rita, thank you so much for being my podcast guest. It's been lovely talking to you and just learning a little bit more about your life. Thanks so much for coming on the show and sharing You're your welcome. story and thoughts of London, the world and life with us today. We'll, of course, put all the links that we've talked about mm. on, the, on the show notes. And to all you Travelling Through podcast listeners out there, I hope it's been inspiring for you and you've got some takeaways from the show. I certainly have. If you've enjoyed it, please tell your friends. Do give us a rating and a review. Rita will be looking out for those. Please do subscribe. And finally, please share this podcast with your friends. We'll be back next week with more Travelling Through tales from London's melting pot of cultures. The London Pool. What makes you stay? and what makes you leave. But for now, take care and thanks for listening.